So I want to start this with a question. Would you like a list of quick steps, guides, and tables to help you create your own medical mnemonics? Well, that is some of the material that we are going to cover today. But first, I do want to thank everyone that has purchased the book so far. Within the first two weeks of publishing, we've already been ranking in the top 10 for Amazon results for a couple of categories, including testing guides and medical school guides. Now, this is really, really impressive. Uh, We're very happy about it. I did want to point out that there were some formatting issues initially that have now been corrected. From our understanding, Amazon will automatically update those. So if you bought a ebook version before and the formatting was kind of wonky, well, it should automatically download the new version and uh, it's much more clarified, much more cleaned up. And I want to encourage you to tell your friends, tell your family, anyone getting into healthcare, not even having to be a medical student necessarily, anyone that needs to remember a lot of information can benefit from some of the information in this book. So let's get to the number one bestseller list on Amazon. That's the goal for this holiday season. So we might be running some holiday sales in the upcoming weeks. Keep an eye for that. And we'll try to post any updates about that on social media or on a future episode. But let's get the sales going. Let's boost this up to number one bestseller and help other people find the book. Hopefully they'll get a lot of use out of it. And we really appreciate your support. Now, one more public service announcement before starting today's episode is, did you know that subscribing to this show doesn't actually help our ratings in iTunes? I know it's a common misconception. A lot of podcasters still say that, but it's not true. It doesn't actually help the ratings in iTunes. But what it does help is letting other people know that you think it's a quality show, that you think it's worth listening and others should listen to it. So if you haven't done so, please go on and rate the show. I know it just takes a few minutes. Most of the time, we don't do it. I'm just as guilty, but it really helps out. Now, if you remember in the last episode, we covered the MedEdge method. This is our exam technique, the three-part method that we've created that makes it that makes it very easy to monitor and track your questions and see where your errors are coming from in the categories that we give you, the three error categories. And it's created from the three parts, the basic exam technique, the tiebreaker technique, and the post-exam autopsy. These are extremely important. If you haven't listened to last episode, I do suggest you go back and do that. We have some of the information in the free PDF at freemeded.org slash medstudents, but the bulk of the technique and the details of it and the examples we give are only available inside the book. In this episode, we're going to cover accelerated learning and mnemonics. So if you've been listening to this show for the past year, then you're aware of a lot of the material that this consists of. And we cover a lot of reading and comprehension techniques and visual mnemonics creation. However, our interviews don't always give you a good roadmap to follow to begin your own training. I know how difficult it can be to listen to someone else talk about it and then go home and try to do it myself. And in fact, that is why I failed at doing so before med school when I first started learning about some of the basic techniques, some of the basic visual mnemonics and memory techniques. I didn't keep up with it. I went home, tried it for a couple of weeks, but when I got stuck, I didn't know where to go next. And I ended up letting the practice slide within a few weeks of starting it. Never reviewed it again until I think it was my fourth year of med school, something like that, when I started interviewing people and getting back into it. So here we're going to give you more of a roadmap. So part three of the book is really separated into two main categories, and that's the speed reading category and the memory and visual mnemonics category. 
So we have a lot of questions in here that we ask you, charts and tables to make sure that you can stay on track and that you can monitor your own progress. That's very important. Anything that you are trying to learn, you should have a method in place to monitor your progress. Otherwise, you're going to be more likely to slack off, to let it slide, to not keep up with your practice, not know if you're actually succeeding or if there's something that maybe you need to change around. We cover the use of the SQ3R system, which is a pretty common one. It stands for Survey, Question, Read, Recite, Review. And this helps to improve your comprehension at faster reading speeds. You cover, you kind of skim some of the sections, you go through the bold points, the headings and such, and then you get a general idea of what you're going to read before you read it. So when you start reading it fully, you already have an idea, a concept of what it is, and it helps to increase your comprehension and your memory of the material. We also cover the different techniques for pacers. And pacer can be your finger, it can be a note card, anything that you use to make sure your eyes stay on track when you're trying to speed read. It sounds ridiculous. You might see a lot of people doing this technique on a subway if you live by one or something like that, maybe a bus. And it really does help. It helps to a degree anyway. At some point, then your finger and your eye will get in the way. But especially when you're starting off at speed reading, it'll help you increase your speed significantly for most people. We go into some of the science behind the physics of the eye and even some neurolinguistics to help demonstrate where speed reading limitations might exist and where we might think they exist, but they really don't. Now, if you've listened to our episodes with Howard Berg or Dr. Lev Goldentouch, then you probably have heard the terms subvocalization and saccadic reading brought up. But if you've not experimented with speed reading in the past, then this probably flew over your head. You probably didn't understand what it was about. So we do delve into these topics a bit more in this section of the book and try to cite the literature wherever possible to help explain the mental and physical aspects of reading and sort of what boundaries might exist and which ones might not. We then give you a few objectives to set when setting up your own speed reading training session so that you can improve at home and so you can organize the material for easier retention. So we give you a couple of different options if you want to try increasing your speed a lot faster or if you want to slowly increase your speed while increasing your comprehension. There's different formats there that we cover in the book depending on your preference. And most likely, we're not going to get to these several thousand words per minute that some of the guests on the show have reached. But, you know, even if you bump up your speed reading by two or 300 words a minute, that's probably doubling it for many of us. And even if not, it's going to be a welcome increase. So I do recommend at least trying some of these out. Then when we get into the memory techniques section of part three, we start with an overview of the science behind memory and the forgetting curve and multitasking as it relates to memory. There's a lot of information about this now. Some of it's really old information, and we've just not paid as close attention to it as maybe we should have in certain academic institutions. And when you know how the forgetting curve works and the science behind it, then some of our other associations, such as those covered in part two with uh, rehearsal practice and space repetition, well, they make a lot more sense. We really depict also how to start your own personal mnemonics creation if you're new to these techniques. So for instance, uh, one of the memory champions, multiple time world memory champion, Dominic O'Brien, he uses a very simple strategy that is association, location, and imagination. So with association, location, and imagination, he creates very vivid images. But also a problem that a lot of students have and something that I've run into a lot in the past and still do is what happens when you get creatively stuck, when you can't think of an image or you can't think how to make an association between these different terms, especially with science words, it can be very difficult. We cover a few tools that you can implement 
such as the scamper mnemonic for creativity or using a play on words, finding the etymology of a word, we list several different tools there that you can implement and see which ones work better for you and which ones might work better for different topics. So if you've ever been stumped on a topic in the past and you are unable to create a strong visual for it, then these can help you overcome those obstacles. And those can be very frustrating when you get stuck. Next, we cover the peg system and the major system for remembering numbers. I know we've covered these in a few episodes in the past, but seeing it all drawn out and the graphs that we give you can really help to comprehend this type of material better and to alter it to better suit your own needs. So if you haven't created a peg system or, or major system in the past, this will be a great place to start. It's simple. It gets the creative juices flowing. I think it's a place that most people should probably start when they're first creating mnemonics. We also give a couple of different methods for remembering names and faces. And then we go into the almighty memory palace for storing larger quantities of data at once. So if you're already familiar with some of the more introductory memory systems like the peg system, like the major system, don't worry. We also finish off the section with a little bit of discussion on some advanced techniques that you can use and uh, for those looking to expand on their knowledge. One of these systems is the PAO system, which granted is usually used more for numbers, but if you listen to the Dr. Lev Golden Touch episodes, his interviews were very unique and he uses this in a completely different manner. So he's converted the PAO system that was traditionally used for numbers to suit his needs and to suit other memory devices and make associations that are not number related. We also cover a little bit about hyperlinking visual mnemonics or even hyperlinking memory palaces to one another or also adding emotional tone and other aspects to your visuals that a lot of people don't think to do, but you can really help to separate similar topics or give that extra memory boost through the emotional feel by giving an emotional tone to an object. We also finish with a brief synopsis of mind mapping and how you can use this in your studies or even put mind maps in your memory palaces. So of course, many of these techniques are difficult to explain in words and this section of the book is not extremely large. It would probably take many, many, many more hundreds of pages to go into great depth about each one of these topics. But this is also why you should go to the Medical Nemesis Mastermind group on Facebook, and you can shoot your questions to us on there and to each other. Anything that needs clarification or that you want more details or maybe some examples, send them on there. Send them on Facebook. Send them on Twitter. Email it to us. It also helps to challenge me. And the more you challenge me, the more I can grow with these techniques as well and grow with you, the more I might be able to help out others. So please send in your questions, pick up your free PDF essentials book, The Essentials of Read This Before Medical School, which is available at freemeded.org slash medstudent. And a quick summary of part three for you. We have the speed reading section where we cover SQ3R, pacers, subvocalization, saccadic reading. We have the memory section where we go on a discussion about memory versus forgetting. We cover number techniques, names and places, advanced techniques, mind mapping. So still quite a bit of information in this section. And we still have one more section to go. The last section, the last part of this mini-series as well, covering the last section, part four, where we will go into more depth about self-assessment. So one of our favorite ways to do this, which is made very clear throughout the book, is to utilize different journaling techniques to monitor our past activities, successes, and yes, failures. There are many, many, many different ways in which to journal these different topics, 
most of which students probably have never heard before. And it's a great way to keep track of everything that you've been doing and the progress as you've been making. And it also helps you point out where some of your weak points might be. So similar to the post-exam autopsy in the MedEdge method, which we discussed in part two, this is for the rest of your life, for the rest of your activities, for the non-board exam related materials that still make up an important aspect of you and of a student's life. So be sure to join us in a few weeks where we cap off this mini-series and discuss the last section of Read This Before Medical School. Go on Amazon now and find it, download the free PDF at freemeded.org slash medstudent, and please, please share this with anyone that might be interested in the material. And until next time, have a great holiday season.